0: Welcome to Supercast, MCCC GP Trainings podcast dedicated to our GP supervisors, brought to you by MCCC's Supervisor Professional Development Team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of Supercast. I'm Paul Grinsey, one of the medical educators, part of C Supervisor Support Team, and I'm very excited to bring you this episode, which follows on from our previous episode, which explored the initial journeys of two supervisors and a registrar along their uh, early parts of their GP training careers in terms of being either supervisor or being a registrar. And this time, we've got the flip side. We've got two experienced supervisors and an experienced registrar uh, looking back uh, and exploring what, how they got there, what they've done, and some tips that we may want to share along the way. Now, before we start with those interviews, I just want to reinforce MCCC's professional development requirements for our supervisors. Two simple things. Every supervisor to be accredited and to retain retain their accreditation within MCCC have to ensure they complete the mandatory modules that are available on MEL within the next 12 months, so until the 1st of October 2022. And that's to ensure your accreditation is maintained for the handover to the colleges when they take over training. The second aspect is to ensure at least one supervisor from each practice attends a MCCC professional development event. At the moment most of those are webinars but there may be face-to-face ones coming up as well. So if you're thinking about what else could there be, there are lots of other opportunities to do your professional development but requiring at least one supervisor per practice per 12 months to attend a MCCC event. So that's a practice requirement and for you as a supervisor, you need to complete your mandatory modules. There are four modules that go through some fundamental things that help, will help reinforce and augment your supervising practice. So go on to MEL and have a look and and if you haven't already done them, complete those modules so you don't leave them to the last moment. Now let's get stuck into this episode's content. First up, I've got an interview here with Dr. Mandy Mossop, who's one of our experienced, for experienced supervisors from our Southwest region. Okay. Thanks, Andy, for um, joining us on this podcast. Uh, look, I, I wanted to start with exploring a little bit more about, um, if you can take us back to, if you can recall when you were approached or to become a supervisor, can you recall what the process was there and, and what that what that felt like in terms of just starting out and being a GP supervisor?
1: Yes, so it was a long time ago for me now, but um, we had had registrars in our practice for a couple of years that I hadn't been actively involved in supervising. So the other supervisors asked if I'd like to help. So I actually just started doing tutorials and um, corridor consultations without doing all the paperwork involved with, with actually feeding back to VMA at that time it was, before MCCC. So that was an easy way to go in without all the paperwork involved in it and uh, then I started more actively being involved with registrars after that and doing feedback and then now as part of the supervisory experience we do the ECTV visits as well. So um, that's actually separate but evaluation helps. Um, So when I first started, I guess my biggest fear and what I hear from other supervisors that have asked if they want to start to do it is being concerned that we're not adequate to supervise. Because when I started, I felt like I was still learning medicine, like I'm still learning all these things about being a doctor. I think, how can you be a supervisor as well? But um, I think that fear became allayed once you start.
0: Yeah, I wonder if it's a, hu- a human just trait whenever we're starting something. Most of the time, we've got that sort of imposter syndrome, especially if it's not yes. something that's sort of, you know, if you if you feel like you're destined to be a supervisor, you probably don't have that. But I don't think many of us feel, feel destined in that regard. And you're often we're often pushed or pulled towards those roles and often feel like we're out of probably swimming a bit, a bit deeper than we really uh, are comfortable with.
1: Absolutely. Yes. It was like that for me, for yeah.
0: sure. And, and look... Um, we don't have to disclose how many years as supervisor you've been, but but um, as you're alluding to, you've got some experience behind you. Um, what have you learned about yourself, and, and how has your supervising sort of evolved over over the years?
1: Mm. I think I've. I was amazed when you start supervising how much experience you've actually accumulated over the time because, as I said, I felt like I was still learning and I am still learning, but you realise how much you know that you didn't realise that you knew. So I think I learned that about myself. So it makes you feel a lot more competent as a doctor, actually, mm-hmm. aside from just as a supervisor as well, which was reassuring. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that I've learnt along the way is, just feedback from the from seeing so many um, registrars go through now, you get an idea of what's normal, what's average, what's behind. So red flags for um, registrars come up a lot more quickly for me now, I think. So mm-hmm. I feel a bit more competent in dealing with those. And we have had a number of registrars over the years that have needed extra support. So, um, and we have been flagged as a practice to take on registrars who are needing additional supports. So, your skills grow um, in supervising along the years as well, I think.
0: Yeah. Look, not quite a red flag, but have there been incidences in your own supervising role um, that you would either regret or or wouldn't do again? Things you've learned from, mistakes maybe that uh, have evolved over time.
1: The hardest part for me, I think, is giving honest feedback if a registrar is not doing yeah. well, um, and that's a really difficult thing to have to do, and sometimes the registrars that aren't doing so well don't necessarily have insight into that either. So doing that is very difficult, and I still find that very confronting, but... Um, But sometimes if they're not comfortable with doing it, it means that maybe that's general practice is not the specialty for them anyway. So sometimes it's actually almost a relief when it comes out into the open. But I think one of the things, um, and this possibly comes into something that I pass along to other supervisors, is just how important it is for sitting in and watching your registrars. So we used to do the video consultations. We no longer do that because of the storing process, Mm -hmm. but um, Mm -hmm. actually sitting in on the consultation because I have had uh, registrars, I sit down and do uh, random case analyses and look at their cases that they're leading and you think that they're doing fine, that's great. Mm -hmm. And then I've sat in with them and what they write in their clinical notes has no bearing to what the <laughs> consultation was about and what the patient was wanting. So that's clinical reasoning and I had no way of picking that up mm. except being in the consulting room with the, with the actual registrar.
0: And uh, how have you found the dynamics of, of sitting in?
1: Yeah. Uh, I find it very different as a supervisor and as an ECTV person. So Mm -hmm. um, as I go in as an ECTV person just to fly on the wall and happy to sit there and not give feedback unless there's something life-threatening happening going on um, until the end of the consultation. But as a supervisor when when I'm sitting in, often the, the registrar will look to me for, answers or support or something. So although I try not to actively give that, if they would have been contacting me anyway, Mm. then I'd be giving them feedback during the consultation. Mm. And I think they find it invaluable actually doing that. So I try during our face-to-face tute time, certainly during GPT-1 to have at least one sit-in patient um, in our tute time.
0: Yep. And do you get the uh, the registrar to, I suppose, observe you, uh, I mean, how, what's the balance in terms of who's observing who? Um,
1: um, so, probably more often. At the beginning of their term, they're sitting in with me more mm-hmm. often, or without, we've got other supervisors in our practice as well, um, because. At the moment, we've got five registrars, so that's a heavy workload. Yes, Yes. so we've got a few other supervisors as well. So they do sit in with a few of us, and and different doctors have different styles, so it's very good for them to see the different consultation styles as well. So probably the balance is more as time progresses, I sit in more on their consultations. Um, But at the beginning, certainly, they're sitting in on mine
0: as well. And how do you feel with someone observing you?
1: I used to be so nervous and so worried. But I think with time, I've had a lot sit in now um, and some of our IMGs have sat in um, with a lot of consultations with me as well. So I think you just get used to it. And, again, I think that's useful for the registrars with the supervisor sitting in because they get used to having somebody sitting in. So when the ECDVs come along, they're not as nervous about that either.
0: Good old-fashioned exposure therapy.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um,
0: And so for new supervisors, have you got any sort of tips or any suggestions, um, you know, so they don't have to learn all the things you've learnt necessarily, anything you would recommend they consider?
1: Yes, well, one, not to worry about their degree of knowledge because that's the thing I was most surprised by. Um, I think when I went through... Uh, general practice. when I went through the hospital system and then came out into general practice, we were geared a lot towards general practice. So I had one short term of the old family medicine program mm-hmm. and then straight into general practice with none of the um, specialty training that they're getting these days. So I'm constantly surprised by the registrars that come through and the l- less exposure to general practice things that they've had through the hospital. Yeah that we had that they haven't had. So I guess my advice to the supervisors coming through is you know enough, don't worry about that. Yes. Um, Yes. Absolutely. And then um, also I think part of the teaching role is teaching things that they can't find out of textbooks. So if they can go and look it up and use their guidelines and do their textbook learning, great. I don't see that so much. Some of that's my role, but, but there's things that are more, I guess, the art of medicine, the science of medicine, that I think our role is as supervisors as well.
0: Yeah. And if we can just wrap up with um, just taking ourselves into, uh, I suppose, a broader tip for us. Have you got any tips about looking after ourselves, a bit of self-care, anything that you do or recommend for your registrars, they do, to make sure that we we run on a reasonable fuel tank?
1: Yes. It's interesting you say that because – When I was thinking about this coming up, I was thinking in a way having a registrar is almost like your communication skills that you do for general practice and you're caring for the registrar. You have to step over the line so that you're not their doctor. There is a line there and you can't step over that. But You also have to care for them holistically as well. And so you need to role model that for them, caring for yourself holistically as well. And I think in the early years of medicine, medicine is just everything. You know, it's your career, your life, your passion, your everything. And I think with the wisdom of years, you come to realise that there's a balance in life and um, medicine's a part of it, but it's not all of it by any way shape or means so just feeding that back to the registrars um, and I'm happy to see them through some of their they usually inform me if they're going through some personal crises because it's relevant to their learning and relevant to their day-to-day experiences so um, supporting them through that time making it clear that they're the most important thing their mental health and their physical health and their well-being is far more important than any medicine they're ever going to do. So, yep, getting a bit of balance on life. So trying to instill that into them when exams are looming and they're feeling overwhelmed and medicine's not the be-all and end-all.
0: Yeah, although when you're in the thick of it, it feels like it at the time. So it's nice to get that perspective from someone else. I think at the time, and uh, yes, yeah. excellent. Well, thanks, Mandy, for being part of Supercast, and um, I, um, I really appreciate your involvement, and uh, I look forward to, to sharing your experience with our um, with our listeners. So thank you very much.
1: Great, thanks for having me on, Paul. A pleasure.
0: Okay, next up, we've got Dr. Marty Beck, who's a registrar completing her registrar uh, journey. So let's hear about Marty's experience. Uh, next up, we're going to hear from uh, uh, the flip side of the, the supervisor-registrar equation. Well, we just heard from a, a supervisor. And I'd like to hear a bit more, Marty, about your experience as, um, or as a trainee going through um, and I want to just take you back if we can. Can you recall what it was like before, just as you were entering GP training back to the GPD one years or hospital years, um, what your expectations of GP supervision was like, maybe in contrast with um, what you'd experienced so far in your previous um, you know, pre-GP training life?
2: I don't know what I necessarily expected, but I was really pleasantly surprised at how much you really develop a relationship with your supervisor. So in the hospital training, you move around from team to team. You might have um, multiple different consultants on the one team and you only spend a little bit of time with them each morning on the consultant ward round. As opposed to in GP practice, you know, I'm next door to the supervisor every day, especially in GPT-1, I think you have to be together for 80% of the time or something. So they're right there. You get to know them really well. They get to know you really well. Um, And I've found those relationships um, really fabulous and wonderful for my training and learning. So I think that was the sort of pleasant surprise, just how much um, time you can get together and learn from them.
0: Do you recall what you were expecting?
2: what was I expecting from my supervisor? I was hoping someone to just be really nice to me. <laughs> um, I was just feeling sort of nervous about the whole thing. I'd come back from a maternity leave and I had my six-month-old baby at home and just thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be really hard Um doing this job and coming back to a new job and I just hope that they're nice because I feel like I don't know anything about this and I hope I don't feel stupid asking questions and they'll be approachable and nice and kind and they just were they were so nice to me and made me feel confident and made me feel that I knew things um, and that I could do this job and yes
0: Mm. And, and that I mean you're talking about that transition between your expectations and the reality of that first term How's your, um, appreciation is probably a bit loaded, I'm sort of guiding, um, guiding the witness here a bit, but how's your um, experience of supervisors, because you've had you know, not just one now, you've had a few as you've gone through, um, or appreciation, what, what have you noticed uh, as you've got more experience about how the supervisor works with you? Um, and also the differences, I suppose, between the different ones.
2: Well, so, yeah, I've had fabulous supervisors. So I've been doing my training part-time. So each practice I've been at, I've been there for a year. So I've had uh, three supervisors that I've had for a year at a time. Um, So we've had a lot of time to sort of work together. Um, And what have I noticed about them? I think what I've noticed about them is how much they get to know me as a doctor, as a registrar, and can then support me in the areas that I need support with. Um, And as I've gone through my training, that has changed a lot in what I need support with. So in GPT-1, I needed someone who wasn't going to mind if I interrupted them multiple times in the day for really, I guess, what would um, subsequently become simple questions. But at the beginning, you know, I had no idea. Um, So someone that was very available could direct me to good sources of information, could build up my confidence that no you actually do know a lot of these things and you know a lot of it is just about the interaction with the patient and you can do that sort of side of things so that at the beginning and then as I went through more just helping me work out what sort of doctor I want to be how I want to practice help me tease out kind of difficult and challenging interactions i would had with patients and reflect on those and think about you know what had gone well for me and what was difficult for me um Yeah. Sorry, I sort of forgot the question.
0: (laughs) That's fine. Uh, And and look, just um, maybe going to a a sub part of your your training in terms of the actual sort of teaching you got. So direct teaching from the supervisor, whether it's within a formal dedicated session or or maybe a bit more ad hoc, but but teaching from them. Um, What... What styles or formats have really resonated with you that may may have been different from what you expected?
2: Um, So all my supervisors have been really available for on-the-spot questions that I just need to know the answer for at that time with the patient in the room, and they'll often just be sort of quick conversations. But then what I would tend to do is add our time together together bring in my list that I work through sort of through the week. I jot down any questions and queries and problems and things I want to discuss and then at the end of the week or at the time of the week we sit together and I sort of go through the things and some are really quick like, hey, I ordered this test. Do you think that that was reasonable to do? And some are fast. But other ones will be like, oh, I can't stop thinking about this patient or I can't stop thinking about this interaction or how would you have handled this Um, or do you, you know, have any techniques and tips for this, just sort of more help with the the grayer, the uncertainty, the sort of relationship side of things rather than just the direct content. Because as I was um, studying for my exams, I was getting pretty good at, not good at it, but I was learning where to look up the answer to just the straightforward, which medicine to use, what test order that I could do. But I just really appreciated um, having that time to sit down with them and just explore the cases and the experiences that I was having and to get their expertise on it, because they have so much wisdom wisdom and knowledge and have been through, you know, they've seen everything before um, that I'm seeing. And so to get their take on things was really valuable.
0: Yeah. So going from all the concrete stuff to yeah, all the, exactly. the sort of yeah. what we call grey zone exactly. stuff. I mean, there's no obvious answer, but it's the, uh, trying to find a pathway. Exactly. It.
2: And, you know, they're good for the concrete stuff too, but we also learn that from the workshops and, you know, you learn it from your study. And once you get a handle on which resources to go to, um, it's a lot of that stuff isn't too hard to search for. Um, but yeah, just the, the art of general practice maybe is what, um, to get from the supervisors. And I've had great supervisors at that. They've all been really wonderful at that.
0: Yeah. And in your three years, have you had a chance to flip the switch where you're doing the teaching?
2: To the supervisor. Mm, Uh, I don't know that I teach them, but. Um, they would often be really interested in what I was learning. So sometimes they would say, well, you know, what did you do it? What did you learn at your workshop today? And um, that was really great because I could tell them what I'd been learning and they'd say, oh, well, you know, I don't agree with this part of it because I do it this way or I this is another view of it and that would sort of spark a bit of debate. Or as I was um, learning some stuff with my study, I guess, you know, really more updated guidelines like say... Um, while I was doing my study the asthma action the asthma management changed um and so I was like right on top of that because it was right as I was studying they changed the handbook on me and so sort of you know was able to come to work and tell myself I was like hey this is what it is now did you know about this and talk about that so I guess yeah they were open to me telling teaching them things too.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's one of those things that um, if i remember sitting for exams and just they you know, change the guidelines just beforehand, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, the asthma <laughs> one's a particular one that's a, a, a real busy. So well done in negotiating through that. Um, if, look, this podcast is often listened by a number of di- different types of supervisors yeah. from all experiences. If you've got, um, you know, if, if there was uh, one, a new supervisor, someone who's um, yeah. you know, maybe a couple of years ahead of you, uh, a fellow who's just started uh becoming a supervisor, what would you, any advice you'd give the he or she about, um, you know, from your experience to say this is what really would work as a supervisor, things yeah. that you should be um, reinforcing?
2: I think um, being approachable, f- feeling, ha- helping the registrar to feel safe to be able to come t- to you. Um, the times when I've spoke I've, and mine all, all have been, but some of my peers have had supervisors that may have made A little groan when they pick up. Oh yes, you know what? Did what did you need? So not doing anything wrong, but the that registrar then really hesitates about calling them. They have to build it up. It's sort of either a source of anxiety, or then they don't call them. And especially in those early stages, there's so many um, unknown unknowns that we have. So we don't even know that something really does need to be discussed with someone more senior. So I think if they're approachable, then it just makes the day pass easier. Um, It's just nice having that confidence that the patients will be safe because you can easily talk to someone if you need to about it. Um, So, yes, I would say please be approachable um, and open to the registrars asking you things. And then what else? Um, Maybe just get to know them a little bit. So um, my supervisors were always interested in my background, what things I was interested in, what I'd studied before in the hospital, if I had any areas that were sort of stuff that I knew well on. Um, because we all have really different backgrounds, and I guess the age of um, GP registrars is increasing, so a lot a lot of people have done more, um, got more things behind them, um, and so that might be helpful to know a bit about yeah. your registrar.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious about the, the unknown unknowns. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're things by definition you weren't aware yeah. of, so things completely off your radar. Yeah. How did you discover what they were, and, and was there anything the supervisors helped you know, helped you navigate that? bit because it's a bit it's it's almost not even confronting because it's off the radar completely
2: yeah Um, so some ways i found out wasn't from the supervisor you'd be sitting in an mccc workshop and then they would say and so when this happens you have to always make sure you do this and you think oh i had no idea about that i've seen all these people in the last week and i'd never did those things um so sometimes it was just learning from that um but how else i guess just Oh, do you know what they used to do? Um, Some of them would say, so, like, what did you see today? Like, let's just have a look at your list of patients today, look through that, you know, what were the sorts of things going on with those different things? And so then if something would come up, they could say, then, you know, I'd say, oh, there was a, you know, three-month-old with a fever who maybe looked unwell. So then maybe they could pick up, well, did you ask about this or this is something we need to be concerned about in this case um, to just point those bits out to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. And, w- and one more question just in terms of your experience of s- some of the supervising styles. How did you find uh, the experience of uh, having supervisors sit in with you um, and have you had the opportunity to do the opposite? Have you sat in to the supervisor and observe and pro- provide feedback
2: to them? Um, I've sat in with the supervisor and I found it really useful, um, really, really useful to see what their style was um, and how they – sort of did things in their consult and then also just like practical things um someone came in for a skin check so just seeing how did they just uh control the consult like where did they get the patient to get undressed what things did they start with how did they sort of go through the body so just seeing how somebody else does in the consult room because usually you're just in there by yourself when you do it your way you don't even really consider what the other way to do things would be um so i found that very useful sitting in um sitting in with the supervisor um and then yes i've had supervisors sitting in with me i i find i'm a I always feel nervous before ECTVs, having someone from the ECTV sitting with me or the supervisor sit in with me. I feel clumsy, I feel very kind of awkward, and then there's this sort of weird thing where the patient sort of looks over to the uh, to the supervisor because they know the supervisor, they've known them for you know 20 years as their usual GP, and so I look over to them. So I find the situation really kind of nerve wracking, but very valuable, really valuable, really useful. And again, my supervisors have all been very kind. So none of them turned around and said, "You did the total wrong thing, and that was bad." They all said, "Yeah, you know, like great. Like let's talk about it. What, you know, and help me learn from it." So it's very useful, but I don't like it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes well, sometimes it's that threshold of being uncomfortable where we go exactly. the most. Exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: Let's get into that threshold. Yeah, of being exactly. So I'd
2: it, never so. suggest You're it. <laughs> I'm sure I'd never <laughs> suggest it, but I would probably still um, still get value from it. <laughs>
0: And going forward, you're, you're you're towards the end of the training and towards you know, yeah. exiting. What's next for you? Is, is supervision on part of you your? Yeah, I though? would
2: love to do supervision. I would really love to do supervision. I think, um, I think it would be, I think it would be great. I always think that places that involve teaching keeps everybody wanting to be up to date and wanting to be involved and wanting to talk about cases and things and everybody sort of learning together. So I really like the idea of being somewhere where. We're doing that sort of thing, and so yeah, I think being a supervisor would be something would be something great that I'd be definitely interested in.
0: Well, on that note, <laughs> I want to thank you for being on the Supercast with, um, podcast, and and um, yeah, very uh, very excited to hear your views and uh, and share your experience with our fellow um, supervisors who are listening to this podcast. So thanks, thanks very much for having me, Paul. those insights from Mandy and also from Beck, and that's how some of the things they've discussed parallel. Now, we're going to conclude this episode with uh, focusing on some insights from another experienced supervisor, Jim Lupton. Dr. Lupton works in Sunbury, and he's been there for very, very long, and he's had a number of uh, registrars come and go, and many, many stay. So let's hear what he's got to say about being a supervisor. All right. Okay, so thanks, Jim, for joining us in Supercast um, and to share your experience. Um, I understand you've been supervising for a, a little while. Um, how many How many months, years, decades, eons have you been involved with in terms of GP training? Um, it's a bit more than decade. Well,
3: okay, a decade. I don't know exactly how long, but it's a bit more than a decade. Yep.
0: And uh, can you recall back when you first started? Um, yes, I can. How, how did you
3: get involved? Professor Chris Hogan said, Jim, I think you should do some teaching. And um, so we got, we put in an application to do P teaching and we had a college person come out and vet me. Not in the um, veterinarian medicine sense, not that sort of thing. Yes. Um, but it was, um, it was a really odd experience because the vetting consisted of, oh, we're all good fellows at our ACGP and you seem like a good fellow and we can all be good fellows together, that sort of stuff. (laughs) And so so I became a supervisor. All
0: right. And do you recall what your expectations of what this new job would would entail?
3: I thought I would be be having them watch what I did a lot more than what they actually do, Um, Mm -hmm. and I've been – Overall, really pleasantly surprised by all the registrars and most of the PG2Ps I've had. They've all they've all been a really high quality. I wasn't expecting uniformity, high quality.
0: And in your experience, what, what makes a registrar higher quality? That makes it uh, you know the, the potentially a, pl- a pleasure to supervise.
3: Um, all of them I've found have <clears throat> knowledge which is at least reasonable and often it's excellent. Um, Their people skills are often good and sometimes excellent and most of them are really happy to listen and learn. There's the odd exception, but most of them are really happy to learn and that that makes it a, a pleasure to do
0: and the other side of the equation is the teaching side of things. Is, is teaching something that you've always
3: gra- gravitated towards or is it a skill set that you've really had to sort of work hard to d- develop? I'm, st- I'm still developing. I make stuff up as I go along. The practice used to be next door to a pharmacy. We now have a pharmacy inside the practice. So I take the um, registrar on an excursion to the um, pharmacy and we spend an hour walking around the pharmacy just talking about what's on the shelves because it's not stuff – They prescribe, but it's stuff that all the patients expect they will know. So, Mm. and it's I find it's a really useful. It's a really useful talk. Yeah,
0: certainly something you wouldn't read in up to date or a textbook or any sort of uh, website in terms of um yeah how how to pick the moisturiser out of the moisturiser shelf
3: and think where things located and the amusement it gives me where things located. The old pharmacy next door used to have rows of um, nicotine replacement therapy and under that had rows of aspirin I used to tell the um, red stars this is to help them stop smoking and then under that you've got the aspirin so when they've failed to stop smoking they've had a heart take
0: you can now treat that
3: um, <laughs> lovely brand placement <laughs> it doesn't help that I'm cynical um,
0: no, no no well observed uh, good, uh, good quality in a GP observing those little subtle things sometimes not so subtle things so
3: But I find find that's um, good fun. And I've also found that I need to teach differently GPT-1s, GPT-2s and GPT-3s. I've found the GPT-1s, from my experience, they really like it when I talk about a topic from where to go. Um, GPT-3s bring up specific patients and they've got specific questions about how to manage that patient. And you can bring a lot of Mm -hmm. stuff in about how you manage you know, hypertension, or osteoporosis, or or depression, or whatever. But they want stuff about that one patient with GPT ones. Want a broader brush, and that's fun. Yep. Um, and I'm still, I'm I'm still coming up with um, tutorials. We had a a registrar a while ago who was on her last go. Um, rem- remediation registrar. And one of the problems she had was that she was a bit slow. Mm-hmm. But her knowledge was good. Patients liked that. She was just slow. And at about that time, um, a couple of the um, medical educators gave us a talk on a book called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. And I had a look at the book and I decided to try something new with this registry, which I hadn't done before. And I gave her the homework of um, going through the beach data and finding the 20 most common consults and getting rid of repeat script and things like that. And for the others, I got her to go through and drop a flow chart of what they could come in, in with and what she might find and how she's going to treat it. And um, because I figured out that's what I mm-hmm. do, I don't think every time... From the start, about how I'm going to treat, you know, pus on the tonsils, I know what I'm going to do and I know the shortcuts to do and I know what I've got to ask the patient and what I've got to tell the patient. Mm. So it's quick. And she became a lot quicker after we'd done that. And that, that was really pleasing. Yep. Because it's not a toot that anybody told me about. I made that one. Yep.
0: So almost, if I interpret what you've described, helping her sort of. Divide, as sort of an illness script or at least a management script uh, as a shortcut rather than, again, going from first principles every single time. Pretty much. Yeah. Yep. Because it's what I do, yep. and I'm sure it's what most of us do. Yeah, eventually, though. We, we often start with the first principles. So we don't know what yeah. the shortcuts are. So,
3: But I figure um, going through and writing it down on paper and coming up with a plan, this enables you to go through it slowly in your own time, and then when you've got the patient there, it's quicker.
0: Mm. And if look, if you were, I mean, this podcast is listened by a number of different people. Um, uh, if if the, well, for those supervisors that are sort of starting out, and so they're very early in their supervising, any particular tips from your experience of either, either traps to avoid, mistakes you may have made that have sort of um, you, know, you wish you could turn back time, uh, have learnt from those, or any any other tips that we can share with those um, younger supervisors, not so younger in age, but
3: younger in experience, from your end. I don't know whether it's just me or whether it's a general thing, but I get the feeling that that supervisors are told we have a role in teaching and a role in assessing. And I think we have a third role, and that is pastoral. And I don't know whether that gets quite as much attention, but I think it's an important part of what we do.
0: Mm. So in in addition to the teaching assessment, that pastoral role, uh, as you're saying, seems to be often forgotten about or missed, um, how does that come up? I mean, how do you, uh, can you give us some examples or anything, how, how is that role uh, intertwined in terms of your role, uh, your broader role as a supervisor? What, 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 um, what do you do to, to be pastoral?
3: I just ask them how things are going at, at home. I had a registrar who was having problems at home with her parent and her sibling. And every couple of weeks, I would just go and see it often, generally not in tutorial time, but often at lunchtime and just chat about it and it gave it a chance to vent and I think venting was probably all that was needed and I encouraged my patients to vent all the time. Yes, yes, yes. So <laughs> I figured that was just a useful thing. Mm. Um, the mistake, <coughs> I made a mistake with the PGPPP and we, we didn't get to choose, didn't get to interview those. They got assigned to us mm-hmm. and I had one of them ring before he came, and he said, I'm actually thinking of resigning from the hospital. You still want me to come? And I said, well, what are you going to do after you resign? He said, I'm just going to stay in general practice. I said, yes, come, because I thought I might be able to teach him something. That was not the best experience I had. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not listen. So, um, but with the, that, that was with the PG2P where we didn't get any any um, choice about who we got with the registrars, but they, they all interview very well. And when they interview, and when I read their resumes, I, I read their resumes and I feel inadequate. Mm. So and um, when the resume says in fourth year, they took a year off and went and visited sub-Saharan Africa and they single-handedly dug a well for a tribe that was... Um, Thirsty, and they save the lives
0: of a thousand people. And I'm thinking, oh my god! <laughs> so, yep. And I suppose uh, just to wrap up, I want to flip around a little bit. Now, I know some some registrars actually listen to our supervisor podcast here uh, for their own interest. Um, if what advice do you either give to your your actual supervisors, uh, re- actual registrars, or the registrars that may be listening, in terms of how to get? the most out of the supervising, how to get the most out of these training programs.
3: Um, I like them to think about what they want me to cover in a tube beforehand. Ideally, tell me a day or two before the tube, because it gives me a chance to think about it as well. And I think my tutes are better when I, when I plan them out in advance. Most mm-hmm. um, yep. the, the the vast majority of registrars I've come across are all good doctors. And all I'm, all I'm doing is, um, Polishing
0: them, I think. Well, I mean, I think that that's a a, a skill, certainly, uh, being able to not to feel like you have to intervene and, and, and create someone from new, but also seeing where the polish needs to be. And, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm sure for yourself it may have taken uh, a number of years to develop. Um, it, it may be not necessarily consciously, but um, working out uh, exactly where those points are to help uh, individual registrars work on their
3: – improve their strengths. Apart from myself and the other supervisor, all the other doctors there, bar one, are ex registrars of mine.
0: And that's cool. Uh, it's certainly, I mean, it's, 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 I think uh, under-recognized, sometimes how much of a partnership it is between the registrar and supervisor working towards. And, uh, um, you know, it, whether it's a six-month or 12-month term, or, you know, even people, you know, registrars coming back to your practice, um, you know, there's that relationship that. I know offline before we started this, I was just reflecting on one of your ex registrars wanted to say hello um, just informally. Um, So there's that relationship that continues even if they're not working for you. And I think it's a testament to the work you've been doing. And um, thanks, Jim, for um, being part of this episode and uh, good luck with uh, things going forward. Thanks for being part of it. And that wraps up this episode of Supercast. And before you go, just one question for you avid listeners who've stayed all the way to the end. Uh, Just a question for you. looking at going forward are there any particular topics you would like us to cover and uh, whether the frequency of this and the duration of these podcasts suit your needs uh, please i know this is a longer format we're hitting 40 minutes now and it's a bit longer than our previous earlier formats uh, some people have liked them some haven't um, so please shoot us an email at paul.grinsey at until next time Happy supervising. If you are finding this episode of use, please subscribe to the C GP Training Supercast via iTunes, etc. We value your input and ideas via the usual communication channels or via my email, paul.grinsey at mccc.com.au. Now, thank you for listening to Supercast, MCC GP Training's podcast dedicated to our GP supervisors. Until next episode from Supercast, happy supervising.